0: What is a DO? What is osteopathic medicine? All of it has been around for decades. Osteopaths and what they do, though, are often not understood. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And with me today is John Crosby. He's the executive director of the American Osteopathic Association. The American Osteopathic Association represents more than 61,000 osteopathic physicians, or DOs as they are known, and it is under Crosby that the AOA strives to promote public health, encourages scientific research, and is the accrediting body for all osteopathic medical colleges and healthcare facilities. Mr. Crosby joined the AOA as executive director in 1997 after eight years at the American Medical Association as senior vice president for health policy. During his tenure, the AOA has increased membership by over 125%, doubled its contingency reserve, and launched numerous programmatic initiatives such as women's health, minority health, end-of-life care, and health system reform. John Crosby, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, it's interesting because we just rattled off all of these initiatives that the American Osteopathic Association is involved in, but a lot of people don't realize that osteopathic physicians, they're out there and they know that they do primary care predominantly, but you're going to tell us a little bit about how they're making strides to be more involved in research, or they might even be involved in, in research and other initiatives that people just don't know that they do.
1: I. I unfortunate, but because we've been around since 1874 when A.T. Still, Andrew Taylor Still, who was an MD practicing in uh, rural Missouri uh, after the Civil War, became very discouraged by the current state of medical care at the time. He lost uh, three children to spinal meningitis, and yet as an MD, there was nothing he could do to save his own children at the time. And so he began to do research on the interrelationship of the uh, musculoskeletal system and the various organs and tissues of the body and uh, over time developed a second type of medicine compared to the allopathic world which we call osteopathic medicine our teaching stresses the interrelationship of the mind the body and the spirit a very holistic approach to the whole person and the whole body when we are seeing a patient diagnosing uh, his or her ailments and trying to come up with a treatment modality that will work best for that patient.
0: And if you could tell us a little bit about this because it's quite fascinating because I remember uh, in, in my role as a healthcare reporter these many years writing about this huge study in the New England Journal of Medicine about how, ooh, alternative medicine is mainstream. And some people might look at osteopathic care as alternative medicine, but in reality, it's so prevalent out there that these folks are working hand-in-hand with physicians who probably don't have enough doctors in certain areas of the country. And really, if you could give us some examples about some of this research and kind of where things are at today.
1: Uh, Number one, we're definitely not alternative medicine. Osteopathic physicians, DOs, are trained just like MDs through four years of medical school and following with internship and residency programs. And we deliver babies, we do brain surgery, and serve as radiologists and anesthesiologists.
0: And to that end, a lot of people just don't know that.
1: That's true. And as we grow, and we are the fastest growing segment of the health professions, uh, I think that message will get out more clear all the time. We've got great DOs serving as the Surgeon General of the U.S. Army a few years ago, or the head of all medical forces, the head of the whole medical corps in Iraq and Afghanistan, Uh, was a DO up until about a year ago. Uh, But getting to the research point, let me just help your listeners understand a a basic concept in terms of what a DO does in terms of manipulation of your skeleton and your other organs like your lungs to produce better care. Uh, We have a study going on right now at our osteopathic research center in Texas looking at how to uh, help patients that are afflicted with pneumonia what we found is that if you raise up the rib cage and help the lung deal with that infection in it, that you can reduce the length of stay for elderly senior citizen Medicare patients by as much as two days over a patient who would just be treated in the normal allopathic manner using medications, penicillin or whatever to uh, reduce that infection. By manipulating uh, the rib cage and the lungs to get the flow of uh, liquids and tissue and blood operating more efficiently, uh, you in turn can uh, have that patient go home uh, healthier and on a more faster timetable than you would uh, using traditional techniques. Uh, So we're very proud of that. Uh, We've got other studies going on right now with respect to low back pain and uh, ear infections in children by manipulating musculoskeletal system around the ear canal and whatnot. You can, again, improve care on a more rapid basis and a more cost-effective basis than otherwise. So we're very proud of these research breakthroughs, and I think as uh, they become known to the American public, osteopathic medicine will become more well-known also.
0: Well, if you're just tuning in, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157. I'm Bruce Japson with the Chicago Tribune, and I'm talking with John Crosby. He's the Executive Director of the American Osteopathic Association, and we're talking about research initiatives in the osteopathic realm, and the interesting thing John, is this, is that what you're telling us is that there are increasingly more efforts going on in research with osteopathic medicine. And that's quite fascinating because people out there They're looking for choice. And if the trend is such where people have high deductible health insurance and increasingly they're going to be able to choose and they're going to look for published studies, peer-reviewed research, quality measures and so forth, and um, that's kind of what's going on here, is it not? Uh,
1: Very much so. And I think the whole phenomenon of the Internet and technology My wife is on the computer every night trying to figure out what's wrong with me. (laughs) And I think uh, the American patient today is very plugged into information, wanting to know who their doctor is, uh, how well they are trained, what are their results, the same with respect to the hospitals or the clinics that they might go to. And, And as we incorporate these research findings into uh, that information that is available to the patient, uh, I think osteopathic medicine is going to become much more well-known and and uh, utilized by the American public.
0: Well, and also, you bring up this whole idea of peer-reviewed studies, and I think when you have had more medical schools, um, osteopathic medical schools, and when the political forces in this country start looking into primary care and pushing more primary care and and hooking people up with a physician, I think that they're probably going to reach out in areas where they haven't paid a lot of attention and look at research in these areas of primary care that, correct me if I'm right or wrong, it seems like in this country there have been more uh, research initiatives focused on more of the high acuity setting. And if there are, you know, areas, as you say, uh, a, a new study on showing that Manipulation of, of a rib or uh, of the spine is going to help uh, keep you out of the hospital, that's probably going to gain some momentum.
1: I think so. And also uh, reducing the need for antibiotics and other medicines, uh, which are in some cases almost cost prohibitive for a patient, particularly if he or she uh, does not have adequate health insurance coverage, you're going to be looking for a more cost effective. And actually, outcomes effective type of treatment, which I think osteopathic medicine presents in many cases. I do want to emphasize we work alongside uh, MDs and we have a great working relationship with the allopathic community uh, throughout the country, if not the world. And I think uh, the two working side by side, and there are many MDs now looking at uh, osteopathic training and osteopathic practice and philosophy to see how they can improve their own type of care, Uh, you're going to see both of us evolve in terms of providing higher quality care through research-based modalities.
0: And are there any studies coming up that we should look for on a certain area where they might get published or might gain some traction and visibility?
1: Well, the one I I mentioned uh, earlier in terms of uh, pneumonia uh, is being beta tested around the country and hopefully will be published in a leading uh, Journal of Medicine shortly. Uh, We're just launching this low back pain study and developing guidelines from it in terms of care across the country. Those would be the two primary ones to see in the relatively near future.
0: Well, the topic has been osteopathic medicine and research initiatives in this area. Uh, my guest has been John Crosby. He's the executive director of the American Osteopathic Association. I'm Bruce Japsen with the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and I would like to thank Mr. Crosby today for sharing these interesting efforts in osteopathic medicine. And to listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD, which includes this program and many others. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months' free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And I would like to thank you today for listening.
2: You're listening to ReachMD-XM-157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Patient Safety News, provided by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, protecting and promoting the public health. Today's highlight is hosted by Mark Barnett and Anita Rayner. FDA has informed the healthcare community about ongoing safety reviews of several drugs. FDA is doing this as part of its commitment to inform healthcare professionals and the public about its ongoing drug safety reviews. Because this information is preliminary and because there's scientific uncertainty, FDA is not taking regulatory action at this point and is not advising healthcare professionals to stop using the drugs.
1: One of the ongoing safety reviews concerns two drugs used to prevent organ rejection. Celcept, which is mycophenolate mofetil, and myfortic, which is mycophenolic acid. Myfortic is approved to prevent kidney transplant rejection and Celcept is approved to prevent heart, liver, and kidney transplant rejection.
2: This safety review focuses on a potential association between these drugs and a rare life-threatening CNS disorder called PML or Progressive Multifocal Leucoencephalopathy.
1: FDA is reviewing data on the possible association between Celsept and PML. Roche, the manufacturer of CELCEPT, and Novartis, the manufacturer of Myfortic, have proposed changes in the labeling of these drugs to include information on PML.
2: Until we have more information, healthcare professionals should be alert to the localized neurologic signs and symptoms that could signal PML in patients taking Cellcept and Myfortic. They should also consider reducing the amount of immunosuppression if a patient develops PML. Thank you for listening to Patient Safety News, provided by the FDA. To hear podcasts of this show and others, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with promo code radio.